0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on this latest edition of the Ropes and Gray alumni podcast. I'm Matt Rizzolo, an IP litigation partner in the Ropes and Gray DC office. Today I'm joined by Ropes and Gray alum and cyber crime prosecutor, Ryan Dickey. Ryan started his career here in the DC office of Ropes and Gray and worked as a litigator before embarking on perhaps the greatest of all clerkships at the district court, for the District of Hawaii. And for some reason, he eventually found his way back to the DC area and has worked for a number of years since in both the US Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia and the Department of Justice, specializing in cybercrime and cybersecurity issues. Brian, it's great to see you again and thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Matt, appreciate it. So I'll, I'll give you a chance first to give your disclaimer before I start to get into some of the questions.
1: Thank you, sir. As a DOJ attorney, the department requires that I give a disclaimer. And the disclaimer is that I am here in my personal capacity. So the views that I express during this podcast are my own views and not those of the Department of Justice or of the United States.
0: Excellent. Thanks. So when we'll get to the DOJ uh, in a bit. But let's start with first what brought you to Ropes and Gray way back when. How did you pick the firm and what group did you work in?
1: You know, Ropes was my top choice back in law school, you know, I mean, I summered there in 2006, and I joined as an associate after I graduated from law school, that was 07. And I was in the patent litigation group in the DC office, although I split my summer between the Boston office and the DC office. Uh, I joined for a couple of reasons. I mean, I had studied computer engineering when I was in college. I went to UVA undergrad, and I was really excited to practice patent litigation after graduating from law school. So that was my whole plan when I got to the last year or so of engineering, law school, be a patent litigator. And after law school, I had passed the patent bar and everything. So, of course, I was focused on firms that had strong patent litigation practices, which Ropes absolutely had and still does. There was something in my mind that wasn't fully committed to patent litigation or wasn't sure if I would be any good at it. And so I was hoping to work somewhere that had a litigation practice that went just beyond intellectual property, right? Something well-rounded. So that was Ropes. But the second reason was just people. I mean, it's totally cliche, but it's true. You know, I tried to do my due diligence before I made the final decision. So being in Boston and Ropes has a big presence in Boston, and I went to Boston University for law school. So I had a lot of students who I was friends with who had summered at Ropes, worked there full time. And so I was reaching out to people to schedule, you know, get coffee, get lunch, kind of pepper them with questions about their work experience. And, you know, I did the same thing for other firms. But it was the ropes attorneys who I heard over and over again, how much they actually liked it and recommended it to me. Whereas I can't say the same was true for all the other places that I asked about. So at the end of the day, that sealed the deal. And then I summered there and loved it. And I think if you have a really good experience as a summer, there's just, you're going to go back. And I did, I did. And I liked it a lot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And obviously we, we had some some good times way back when doing, uh, doing some softball games on the ball. (laughs) Absolutely. And then you left the firm for a clerkship and you know, I can't really begrudge you for doing so given its location. Uh, can you talk a bit about that experience? What, what was the best part other than obviously the weather?
1: So yeah, which is phenomenal. Um, I mean, so in all honesty, that it was a hard decision to make. So this was something that I had been wanting to do for a long time and um, I was happy. You know, I was in the DC office, I was doing patent litigation. Um, and it was fun, it was challenging, it was obviously well-paid, and I was friends with my colleagues. And then this opportunity to clerk came up and my wife, Erica, and I had just gotten engaged like about a month before the judge called to offer me this position. So we moved up the wedding, You know, got married on a Saturday. I was in Hawaii by Wednesday. Um, and neither one of us had ever even been to Hawaii before that. So the best part was spending a year and a half there with my wife as newlyweds, just like going outdoors all the time, hiking, beaches, and the food's phenomenal. You know, especially if you like seafood, pokey and spam musubi, that kind of stuff. Um, Workwise, I clerked for this fantastic judge, Helen Gilmore, and she's still on the bench. I learned a ton about litigation. You know, how to write better, how to be more persuasive and more effective in court, that sort of thing. So it was a great. Great learning experience. Would highly recommend for sure.
0: I'll bet. So you know, after your uh, extended honeymoon, you now you did come back to the D.C. area, to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia. Can you talk a bit about your transition um, from you know working at a law firm and then clerking to working at the government in a in a legal position?
1: Sure. Gosh, where do I start? I mean. it. I was hired into the cybercrime unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office, and it's in Alexandria. And First of all, I had little to no experience being a prosecutor. My experience was pretty much what I had learned during my clerkship and, um, you know, seeing AUSAs in court, uh, handling some criminal matters, and then what I had learned in law school in classes like CRIM Pro or in CRIM Law. Um, thank goodness, at Ropes, I had actually had the opportunity to take and defend a couple of depositions and patent cases. And I had worked on pro bono cases that gave me some stand-up experience in court. But I had a lot to learn. And I think this is true in a lot of uh, offices, prosecution offices, both, well, I should say criminal justice in general, both on the prosecution and the defense, you're going to kind of be thrown in. It's a little bit of a trial by fire. So um, I had a lot to learn there. Um, the other thing is, It's no secret that government lawyers don't earn big law salaries. And so my salary at the U.S. Attorney's Office was actually a pay cut from the clerkship. Like, I'm just going to let that sink in, (laughs) right? The clerkship was less than half of what I had earned at Ropes & Gray, right, when I left. And to this day, I have never earned as much as I did when I left Ropes. And then the D.C. metro area obviously has a high cost of living So those are probably the two biggest, you know, hurdles that I faced. Um, On the other hand, there is, thank goodness, an upside, right? I mean, the work is incredibly rewarding. And I tell my kids when they ask about work that the job of a prosecutor is to help people and to help people who have been victimized by crime. You know, maybe their computers have been hacked, their money's been stolen, they're being harassed online, whatever it is, my job is to help them. And so there is that side. And so I do, you know, I love my job.
0: Um, but there was, it was an uphill battle. So how has your day-to-day changed during the pandemic?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, I was going into the office every day. We were going into court regularly before the pandemic. And now I've been working at home ever since it was Friday, the 13th, March 13th of 2020. So we're coming up on two years now. I have two young kids who are in elementary school age. Although when it first, the pandemic started, my daughter was at the end of preschool. And so that first year they were home with me and my wife. And we had this, um, I'll, well, I'll say this, it was, it was challenging. So we had this staggered schedule where my wife would wake up early, do her hours while I was with the kids, and then we would switch. I would, I would, so I'd be with them in the morning, then she'd be with them in the afternoon. And then, cause I'm more of a night owl, I would log back in and, and finish up my hours at night after the kids went to bed. But, um, you know, thankfully, we were fortunate enough to have jobs that have flexible schedules so we could actually do that and make it work. I mean, I can't really complain. Um, Now, thank goodness the kids are in school, right? The um, Department of Justice Criminal Division is starting to bring folks back to the office or at least make plans for that. So we're headed in the right direction. Um, The other thing was courts. You know, everything was closed for a while. And that included grand juries were closed, courts weren't holding hearings. One of the very few, I'll say bright silver linings from this pandemic is that courts have now been, um, they were forced, we were all forced to do things virtually. And so now we have, um, a lot of our hearings are just virtual on Zoom. And so that's been actually one of the better, one of the better things to come out of all this and hopefully to some extent, hopefully that, that part sticks around because we don't always have to drag people uh, into in-person proceedings when it's just a status conference or something that can be done pretty easily uh, virtually.
0: Yeah, I think that that change is something that you've seen <laughs> government attorneys, private private attorneys, clients can, can really agree that that's beneficial. It cuts down on a lot of travel that would otherwise be unnecessary. It cuts down yeah, a lot. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, so you talked a bit about your experience at Ropes and how it, you know, depositions, et cetera, how it helped prepare you. Is there anything else about your experience at Ropes that that you think really was key in preparing you for your work at the U.S. Attorney's Office and now DOJ?
1: Yeah. I mean, first, there were those practical skills, becoming a better writer, becoming a better speaker, and getting some experience with depositions and some stand-up experience in court, but probably frankly the most important thing was just about teams and you know at ropes it was the first time i had i had worked at a place that put an emphasis on putting together the right team for the right project for the right client for the right case and then you know everything i do now i'm seeing or realizing is uh, in prosecution is with small teams and So, you know, now I'm focusing a lot on making sure you get the right folks as early as possible to be part of a team.
0: That's great. Speaking of uh, teams, if you will, I know you were detailed to the uh, famous Robert Mueller investigation team several years ago. Is that right? How did that come about?
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. I was detailed to Robert Mueller's special counsel's office. Um, It was a fascinating experience I really enjoyed it. And unfortunately, that's about all that I can say about the
0: experience. <laughs> <laughs> that that is understandable. Um, you know, turning to something else, and hopefully you can share something on this. You know, I know cyber crime issues can really run the gamut from you know, wide scale hacking to run of the mill credit card fraud, child pornography issues, etc. What, what's the craziest matter? that you've worked on while being at DOJ, to the extent you can share it.
1: Sure. So, you know, I've been lucky enough to work on some great teams involving cases that are in each of those categories, widespread hacking, child exploitation, fraud. Um, You know, one of the cases that does stand out to me was the prosecution of a guy named Marcel Lahel Lazar. Who was better known by his hacker moniker Guccifer or Guccifer um, he was somebody who hacked into the um, a number of accounts that belonged to some very high profile folks and he was very hard to find but we had a fantastic team on the case there was um, federal bureau of investigation secret service and state department's diplomatic security services and we uh, all came together you know worked our tails off and eventually We located and extradited Mr. Lazar to the United States. He did plead guilty, cooperated and accepted responsibility for what he did. And it turned out to be a pretty solid case. That's fascinating.
0: And I understand you're also teaching computer crime now at my alma mater, uh, the George Washington University Law School right across the street here. Can you talk a bit about how you came to teach that? I, I actually took that class while I was in law school years ago, from <laughs> Orrin Kerr.
1: Um, you're very lucky you took it with Kerr then, and not
0: with <laughs> me. So, so, you know, Oren
1: Kerr is, is excellent. Um, you know, once upon a time, he worked in the office that I work in now, which is the computer crime and intellectual property section uh, of the Department of Justice before he went into academia. We didn't work there at the same time, but... I know Oren, and I actually reached out to him after I was hired to teach the class. They were looking for somebody who had uh, practical experience doing cybercrime work. And he could not have been more helpful with advice, sample slides, I mean, the whole nine yards. Of course, I used his textbook, which is the authority on computer crime out there right now. And it turned out to be a really fun class. Yeah, and it's a great topic. I mean, GW is bringing me back. Um, thank goodness,
0: to teach again in the fall. So I'm really looking forward to it. Outstanding. So turning back to Ropes, did you have any mentors at Ropes who you think especially influenced your career?
1: Oh, of course. Of course. I mean, Peter Brody, Steve Peppy come to mind. I mean, they're still at Ropes. Um, Those guys absolutely stoked my interest in intellectual property and in litigation. I mean, that's kind of stuck with me to this day. I'll never forget when I, I was clerking, but I got the job as a prosecutor and I reached out to Peter, Peter Brody, um, to talk to him about it and just to kind of make sure I wasn't crazy. And I'll never forget what he told me. He said, this is a good thing. It's gonna it's kind of toughen you up, it'll toughen you up.
0: You know, and I think he was, You know, I hope he was right. <laughs> That's great. Um, so now, I mean, with the benefit of hindsight and experience and maybe some you know extra toughness, uh, what advice do you have for young associates coming up the ranks or sort of finding their feet, finding their practice? You know, you, you started off thinking, okay, I want to do patent litigation. And now you've transitioned into, into this career as a cyber crime prosecutor and what, what should people be thinking?
1: So, I mean, on the
0: one hand, it's almost
1: impossible to give people advice because they just kind of have to find their own way. But uh, two things that have worked well for me, one is don't, kill yourself hounding the ideal project or assignments, you know, whatever you're given, just do the best job you can do. And if you take that approach, it doesn't take long before you're kind of getting the pick of the litter when it comes to good projects, you know, just do a good job with wherever you are. And the second thing is probably more important even is just to be kind to people. I mean, that's not just like good life advice, but it, this really small world when it comes to the legal practice in the DC metro area. And I think kindness pays dividends over time. I mean, the number of times I've um, had an experience where almost out of the blue, you come across somebody in your work, whether it's I'm a prosecutor and now they're a defense counsel, or they're gonna be some sort of an expert witness or something. And it's a person that I had worked with or worked across five, seven, 10 years ago, and having that good working relationship is, I think, just critical to success, you know, especially in this area.
0: (laughs) For for those, obviously, people are listening, so they can't see how vigorously I'm nodding in agreement with you (laughs) on those points. I mean, it is such a small world. And, you know, you might even run into people randomly at your kids' soccer games, like we do from time to time. Yes. (laughs) Um, So how about advice for people who work in whether it's a in-house job or at a firm who might be considering a move to the government, what should they know? Well, I first
1: I'd say same advice, right? Um, work hard with whatever you're given, be kind. Um, you know, the government is full of folks who used to work in private practice, like myself included, and I'd say most of the people that I work with as well. And frankly, many of them eventually go back to private practice. Um, And uh, especially as their kids approach college age. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I'd say in addition to that, just don't forget to spend time with your family and friends because there's a lot more out there than work, uh, as important as it is.
0: And before we wrap up, I want to get to a couple sort of ropes-focused topics to close things out. Any favorite ropes memories come to mind? Softball was
1: actually one (laughs) one of the top just memories that I have I mean it's been now but it's kind of crummy to say that because it's not it's not research writing and litigation focused right it's not necessarily work focused, but it also is kind of like about the culture of the office right and hanging out with people and doing more than just work but the other one was um, I have a great memory of traveling to Seoul South Korea with the rest of the team on a patent litigation case to meet with the client and we worked like crazy and then one night, we went out to dinner with the team and the client. We had Korean barbecue, which was phenomenal. And then afterwards, we went for late-night karaoke, which I was terrible at. But it was a blast. It was a blast. So those
0: kind of stand out to me. <laughs> That's, I, I love that. So let, let's go to the lightning round here. My favorite sports team is?
1: UVA basketball.
0: Yeah. Okay. Followed
1: closely by the u.s men's and women's soccer teams
0: my ideal friday night is spent
1: oh dinner with the my two kids my wife it would burger and fries with a coke and if i could i would bring back ray's hellburger oh ray's hellburger miss that place so dinner out or dinner in or switch it up in and then when i put the kids to bed we read out loud from whatever book. i mean my kids are you know five and eight whatever book we're reading through which is you know, Ramona, Beverly Cleary's Ramona books right now. <laughs> if I wasn't a practicing attorney, I'd be a journalist. I I love the news no matter how depressing it gets.
0: <laughs> if someone handed me $25 million today, I would invest it in a diversified mutual fund.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding very, kidding. very practical advice. I, I would um I would we'd buy a bigger house we'd buy a bigger house my daughter has to basically live in a closet in this house and then uh, we would get a dog like something hypoallergenic like a like a giant schnauzer or portuguese water dog or some poodle mix and then invest the rest in a diversified there you go house. ropes and gray is oh it is an it's an awesome place to practice law
0: completely agree with that and i think that's a great place to wrap up So thanks so much, Ryan, for joining me today. And for all of our Ropes and Gray alumni out there, please visit our alumni website at alumni.ropesgray.com to stay up to date on our alumni happenings, as well as the latest news about the firm and our lawyers. Thank you all for listening.